0: Welcome to the Human Conversation Podcast with Jules White, the real Dragon Slayer, author, and entrepreneur's sales coach. Tune in weekly for Human Conversation about business and sales. Enjoy business expert interviews, educational episodes, and virtual cuppers with entrepreneur business owners. So grab yourself a cuppa and enjoy.
1: Here is your host, Jules White. So welcome to another episode of The Human Conversation and I have with me one of my fab four friends, we'll talk more about that I'm sure during this podcast and I have with me Sonal Bal. She is a career strategist and she is the founder of Supercharged. Sonal, welcome to The Human Conversation. Thank you, thank you Jules. I'm
0: honored to be here, excited to be here, feeling all the feels. Let's do it.
1: I love that feeling all the feels. And so listen, uh, the the Fab Four is a a, a program, a um, a room, a session, who knows what people call it on Clubhouse, which is on every Monday night at 8pm. So I'm just going to make sure that everybody knows that's how we've met. And uh, slightly before that, it was on LinkedIn. But really how we've met and got to know each other is through being in the Fab Four in our Clubhouse room, which is every Monday. So it's the Fab Forum and Friends. And we have so much fun in there. So if anyone wants to join, there's always a link in the comments to do that. So let's start at the very beginning, like I always do, because I'm always curious because a career strategist, you know, this is this is big. This is a very interesting question for you as a career strategist, because what was it that you wanted to do when you first left education? So
0: good question, Jules. When I first left education, because there's stages, right? There's school, there's college and there's master's. When I left school, um, which was 17, 18, I was very clear that I wanted to work in human resources. I just knew it. So that's what I wanted
1: to do. And that's what you do now.
0: Yes. Yes. I did that for a good part of 20 years and um, careers, people love all of that. The good, the bad, the ugly, the messy. Um, And yeah, privileged to be doing what I love.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I had Kevin on the show on the last episode and Kevin's another one of the Fab Four. Um, And it was so interesting because he was the same. He knew what he wanted to do when he left school and that was still what he was doing today. But you do find people do have these really strange things that they want to do compared to what they end up doing. So it's always quite a curious question.
0: So I do want to clarify, though, that you know, just because some of us knew what we wanted to do when we were 18 and we were lucky and privileged to be doing that today. It does not mean it's been easy or without doubt, because at every step of the way, when things don't go your way, and in my case, for example, you know, I want to do this. I want to work in this company. I want to do this program from this university. And you get rejected. The first reaction is, ah, oh, yeah, something's wrong with me. Uh, so instead, let me do something else, and that happened with me, and I um, got seduced by a fantastic program in journalism in one of the best colleges in India, and I'm like, I'm going to do that, but little, you know, when we're 18, we think we know everything, right, we think we've got everything figured out, we're arrogant, and the arrogance of youth, I call it, Uh, but thank God, better sense prevailed that, hey, you know, if you study this subject like for example sociology you can do more in life but if you study something narrow like journalism you sure you want to you really sure so yes I knew what I wanted to do but you know all those little obstacles the best one being self-doubt which is a big one they creep up and they have crept up
1: the whole time so did they kind of divert you slightly, even though you came back on course? Is that what you were saying? So did yes. you actually do the journalism no, program? I didn't, but I very
0: seriously considered it. And I went through, you know, you have to go through a bunch of entrance exams, you get invested in it. And then you're like, oh, I've got in now, it's sunk cost, like I have to do it. Do I really want to do it? Mm-hmm. You know, so so just because there, it looks like there's clarity from the beginning, it's not always what it looks like. That's
1: what I'm saying. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. I'll probably come back to your kind of career and work side later in the conversation. But I obviously want to start with a little bit more about you because uh, were you born in India? Yes, born and bred. Originally (laughs)
0: from New Delhi, lived my whole life there till I was
1: 26. One of the things I seem to remember you saying was that you hadn't traveled, hadn't traveled, hadn't gone anywhere. And then all of a sudden, you've literally been... (laughs) all over the world so I'd like to explore that with you really yeah
0: yeah life is so funny and uh, you you tend to think oh everyone's going everywhere but me why not me and life is passing you by and people take these great flights and you're like oh I'm never gonna be able to afford to fly like that so um what happened was um I was 25 almost 26 when I got married and um, the guy I was seeing who ended up becoming my husband had a brilliant opportunity while we were dating to do marketing and head marketing for South America for his company and I had just got promoted at GE Capital I was in HR you know living the dream and decided, oh, that's fantastic. So after we got married, like literally within two months of, after we got married, I followed him. So I became the trailing spouse. I don't like the term because trailing makes me feel like, you know, I'm, I'm coming along for the ride. I don't have any power. I don't have any, like my own value feels diminished, but in essentially, you know, in layman's language, that's what it was. And uh, moved to the other side of the world, which is Uruguay in south america Amazing. and uh one year later in chile uruguay is on the east part of uh, south america tiny little football shaped country between brazil and argentina and i had to see all of this on the map and uh chile is on the western uh, you know the pacific coast so it was like okay this is so interesting like this part of the world so exotic never been here and uh Then came to Europe to study and do my MBA, and travelled all around Europe.
1: uh, You know, so it's just be open. You just don't know where life is going to take you. No, I think because I sat here, I said the same to Kevin. I've kind of been a real home girl. I haven't really travelled. I went off on Mediterranean holidays, as most people in the UK do at some point, you know, but. I went to the US for the first time when I think I was 51. You know, so it took me a long time to do a big flight as I call it, you know, so it's quite interesting. And I always think to myself, she went from India to Uruguay yeah oh my goodness and I feel yeah. scared and I feel fear and yet there you are saying it was a wonderful exotic place and so I mean what did you feel really what, I what loved the, it love I it? yeah I
0: loved it I was just one of those people who was born for adventure and didn't have any so I I, I got adventured through talking to people and anybody I'd meet who was from ab- abroad when, when I was in India I asked them like a hundred questions. And um, what is it like? What is it like living there? So I think that just curiosity part was that thirst was very much quenched. Um, And everyone's different. My thing was make the most of it. We know it's not going to last forever. Mm -hmm. And um, you have two types of people, Jules, when you go abroad and you live for a little while, um, you know, in the expat circles, you'll have the ones who integrate And then you have the ones who segregate. Hmm. So the segregate will be like, you know, so let's say the Brits hang out with the Brits. They go on holidays together to the same place. Their kids go to the British school and everyone speaks English all the time. And then you have the integrate, which is like, I want to learn as much as possible about the local culture. Yes, there are a ton of Indians here um, from my husband's company. I could hang out with those wives and, and become one of them and learn cooking and all the new skills I should be knowing because I'm a housewife so-called I was like uh actually I don't want to do that <laughs> <laughs> and travel as much as possible and the best decision I made thank goodness was pick up the books and start learning Spanish uh, because that was one way to get an entry into the labor economy by being productive I wanted to my my definition of productive was am I earning something for myself because I've always been in, you know uh, financially independent. And it's something that I was, that's important to me. We all have our values. I'm not saying that those who were not working, uh, you know, they're not important or what they do is not important, but it's different. Right. And mm-hmm. for me, that's my, my, my yardstick, mm-hmm. uh, am I financially independent, because I respect myself a little bit more. And I don't want to be a burden on other people. So this rubs people the wrong way because they're like, hey, what do you mean? You know, I'm bringing up the next generation and it gets a little heated, this debate. I'm like, it doesn't have to be a debate. You can do one, you can do the other. Just be happy. Just be happy. Make a choice and be happy. If you have a regret, that means you weren't happy. And the last thing you want to do is resent your child or resent your partner because you gave up or you sacrificed your career. And I didn't want to be that person. So- I did, I, I would say our strategy was, it sounds so cool, but when we were in it, we didn't think we had any strategy. You just go with the flow. I think the strategy was always make friends with the locals as much as possible. And that was done through three things. Volunteering, heck of a lot of volunteering, because suddenly there was a lot of time on my hands and a volunteering at the local church. Um, And, you know, the Indians would be like, but you're not Christian, you're a Hindu. I'm like, who cares (laughs) volunteering people are people everywhere and and you know they need help whether it's teaching english or whatever so one was volunteering the second was um learning spanish because when you have this um, habit of getting up every day going to a language school meeting people you go through class 90 minute class at the 45 minute mark there's a little break talk to people during the break, have tea, coffee, water. Uh, so that was a great way to, you know, integrate as well. So that wasn't locals. Those were other expats like me. So I, I was, you know, very satiated with that. So voluntary, um, learning uh, English, um, learning Spanish. And the third was working and I couldn't get a job properly. The one, the kind of job I wanted. So I started teaching English because that was the only job apparently I was qualified for.
1: Um,
0: and when you're teaching
1: English, you're teaching English to locals yeah so you're then mixing in with the locals which yes. is kind of where you wanted to be anyway isn't it yes i yes. love this this is so good and and it's so interesting how you said well we didn't really think we had a strategy at the time but look at that as an amazing strategy i love that so then um was it very long but how long did you stay over into the sort of south so america uruguay side?
0: uruguay was one year and chile was two years so a total three years and this was jules if you remember um, before so BC before children so life before children I don't remember what we did with our time but apparently three years of our married life was before children and amazing. we were in South America <laughs>
1: amazing
0: so you moved to Europe from there we, we moved to Europe um, with a little pit stop in India because I was um, heavily pregnant and uh, I you know we went to India for six months um, had a baby number one and then he was a four-month-old, uh, tiny little uh, newborn when I came when we came to Europe uh, for my MBA program. So I followed him twice to Uruguay and to Chile, and uh, we both were very uh, keen for me to do my MBA. And I was very confused, Jules, frankly speaking, because I was like, you know, I also want to be a mom. I think this is the right time. You know, you feel it in your body and I know that men have it as well it's this uh, this maternal paternal thing um where you're like I'm ready yeah. you know not everyone feels that way but when you are ready you're ready and I was like how will we do that and MBA I can't do both and my husband said we'll figure it out let's yeah. let's do both so came to Europe to study and he was a, a four-month-old and I was doing a full-time MBA program
1: Uh, do you know something our our stories become quite um, similar in this at this point I think because I was working with my (laughs) ex-husband he's my ex-husband in his business and pregnant with Sam and when I had Sam uh, it was the most amazing thing in the world and I was 35 years old you know so I was later on in life like you say I had this oh I'm ready and I want to have a baby now Um, and as soon as I had him it was just the most wonderful thing I fell in love with him wanted to be with him but after three months I knew I needed to do more I needed to be Jules and not just Sam's mum it was just in me and I think you're probably very similar by the sounds of it so at three months I started business at four months with yes. your baby, you start yes. your MBA. So it's kind of like, we yeah. it's quite a synergy there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The body's going through so much transformation.
0: You just pushed out a human being out of you. <laughs> and it's like, okay, you know, it's still barely recovered, but I'm already like, I'm itching for um, what else can I do? And, and just, you, you summed it up perfectly.
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's such a driver, isn't it? So MBA, I want to know about this. What happens, what do you do? What does it mean? Because I know it's a big thing. I know it's such a big thing. Tell us about that.
0: So, you know, Jules, it was something I wanted to do. I I always wanted to study business and understand how things actually work behind the curtain and not from the junior implementation side, which I always had. I wanted to understand you know, the leadership and put all of those jigsaw pieces together. Uh, So the learning was fantastic. Can you get that learning without the MBA? Yes, you can. 100%. And you'll be, you know, your wallet will say thank you. <laughs> because it's, not, uh, it's not a cheap program. Um, there's the learning side of it. There's the social side of it. Um, and because the social side results in a lifelong network, lifelong access to certain people, certain groups that you wouldn't have otherwise. And I wanted that for sure. What happened with me was very unique because I was one of the very, very, very few people who who came in um, with a a child, you know, and and not um, a man who came to study um, because the wife was taking care of the the kids, kid or the kids, but in my case, the woman coming to study. And and my husband um, was very lucky to get transferred by his company to Europe and whatever he was doing in South America, you know, he said to the boss, I can do the same thing in Europe uh, because we, have a, we happen to have a need and they said, sure. So that was lucky because uh, we were together. And during that time, it was about one year and I can't understand how I made it work. It was a very intense period. I, I mean, that's an understatement because you're studying all day in classes and then you have group work. Um, and then, you know, go home, pick up the baby from the, the part-time sort of nanny we had who would be helping out at her house. She was like this lovely grandmother um, figure, um, you know, with, with him. And um, I cannot tell you the two things that really impacted me. Number one was uh, three things. Number one, I don't understand how I managed time so efficiently. I think sometimes when you don't have a choice, just do it you just do it Mm -hmm. and you don't think that you're doing it like we said in South America strategy we don't know it but I was just in smack in the middle of it Mm. and most of the time I was alone because you know husband was working full time it was a very long commute from uh, where the MBA school is which is in Fontainebleau south of Paris and he would take the metro to central Paris so you know for him going and coming it was a full day he'd be out so it was essentially me taking care of my studies and, and the baby during that time. Um, so number one, what I want to say is, uh, I didn't feel like I fit in the whole time. And it's such a pity because that held me back. Um, I thought that, you know, these are people who are coming from, you know, finance subjects. They're, you know, already working at the McKinsey's of the world and they've already done banking and all of that stuff. And I struggled with some subjects, so I didn't feel like I fit in. So because I felt that I didn't fit in. I held myself back from events or volunteering or anything like that, which is which is a pity. Mm. Um, and and I think, yeah, I mean, I wish I could change that. So that was one of the regrets. I think we talked about once in our in our clubhouse room. Yeah. Um, because the self belief wavers in our life. And um, when I talk about this story, I feel a little more open to talk about it now, but back then it was very raw um, because it's been a while. I graduated in July, 2009. So we're recording this in July, 2021. Yeah. So it's been a good 12 years. Uh, And in these 12 years, there's been a five-year reunion and a 10-year reunion. And I didn't go to either of them. I just felt like I didn't belong oh
1: that's and it's so
0: it's so silly Mm -hmm. um because when I was there I felt number one guilty a lot uh you know baby how are you doing everything so that mom guilt dad guilt whatever parent guilt that's real that's very real and and the second um lack of confidence don't feel like you belong so you know outwardly there would be a show of confidence but deep down like you know shaky um so yeah it it was what it was but managed to graduate um quite successfully considering everything that I'd been through and when I say successfully I don't mean with grades and stuff like that because I really uh, struggled with some subjects when I say successfully I mean I graduated right in the midst of a huge financial crisis if you remember um, in 2009 so that was I mean, after COVID, definitely that was the worst time to graduate. Yeah. And I managed to get like five serious offers from some fantastic companies, you know, two of them in the UK, in fact, um, and in Paris and, and, and Zurich. And I was like, wow, I have the luxury of choice. Like what is going on? So I felt like all of the stuff that I'd been through, it kind of made up for it by just having a choice and not being in that position where, okay, I've just graduated. I don't have a job in hand. Do I go back to India? I don't, I didn't, we didn't feel ready to go back to India yet. Uh, We also, you know, you have to, you have to see some return on investment. It was a very expensive program and I wanted to start working so that I could, you know, feel better about spending thousands of euros um, on something that I didn't see an ROI on.
1: Um,
0: And I think that if I had to, you know, dissect it, the thing that helped me was just razor sharp focus on you know okay what do i need to do to graduate and second i don't have any network i don't know anybody in europe but what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna reach out uh, to people on my own and i'm in the cv book okay uh, somebody called me because they saw me on the cv book okay um they want to meet, they want to do a phone call. And I would say things like, hey, why don't I come over and see you? You know, so I would do that at my own expense. These were longish trips. And I would, you know, take care of um, financing these myself. Those things, when I did them repeatedly, they made a huge difference. Because I also had the hat of an HR person, right? I Mm -hmm. also knew what they're looking for. I've been on the other side. So all of that helped. And um, it was definitely worth it.
1: I think it's so interesting listening to you because it, I sort of sit here thinking that was some painful stuff, actually, right there that you've described, you know, emotionally painful stuff. And how cool would it have been if we had never made the assumptions that we made, we'd never thought the things that we think, which are basically internal things, you know, what else could have happened? However, look what did happen even with all of that going on so how amazing is that I mean it's truly inspiring that you've done that you know so now it, it really is, is it is
0: and you know it took and anyone who's listening and you're like oh gosh I, I can relate with it um I and you know people are like yeah but you come across as so confident really like this like first of all don't judge the book by its cover yeah. <laughs> and and secondly um it took a coach that I was working with in October, 2019. So this is 10 years. Cause I graduated in 09, 10 years later, when we, when we um, peeled back all the layers of everything that I'd been through and I had, you know, just a few months ago, skipped the 10 year reunion because I was busy, you know, <laughs> I was like in courts. Yeah. I have other stuff. Yeah, sure. And these were excuses. Um, and with her i worked it out how much of that fear was actually you know true like yes you did struggle yes the group that little working group that i was with they used to judge me because i didn't really contribute and i was called things like a freeloader like that hurt me so much because i always felt like want to do my best but i didn't understand certain subjects so i was like let them take the lead what do i need to do and i'll do bare minimum just to graduate cuz i Honestly, between a baby and and not following subjects, I was full fledged, yeah. full fledged traumatized. So, it, uh, what I'm saying is, it took ten years for me. And if if I can help with you know anyone who's listening and are like, if there's one thing you remember from this conversation and nothing else, please don't take ten years like me. And if it has been ten or twenty, you've got control mm. and
1: doubt and self-belief is a choice. Mm, Absolutely is a choice and you know that it's easy isn't it for us to say oh gosh why did we take so long but then when you also look at it you had to go through certain parts of that journey to come to where you are today ultimately. Same with my journey in 2009 I was getting a job again having lost my business and had a bankruptcy and and lost everything Um, same year as you again how weird are these little synergies we have and so I was starting again in 2009 without an MBA (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah, I I would have loved to have had one of those that might have given me more choice and I was sort of going back I felt I was going back 10 years previous to doing a job I'd done 10 years before and I felt terrible my pride was in the gutter you know oh my goodness yeah yeah and and you
0: and I have talked before right because you came on my live stream supercharge Fridays on LinkedIn and you mentioned you'd been laid off three times is that correct
1: Yes. So have I. So yeah. that's another, thing. <laughs> another that's thing. Another thing we have in common. Yeah. So going back to the uh, the journey, you talked about the MBA you took in Paris. Did you in France? Was it? Yes. Yes. What brought you to Belgium, which is actually where you now live? So
0: that's um, the
1: on-campus recruitment that was going
0: on, and uh, one of the five offers that I was lucky enough to have was with uh, a Dutch telecom company in Belgium. So that brought me here, and I. Um, If anyone's listening who has a choice, which is a great place to be, but it does have its own set of problems. Like how do I choose between A and B? Um, For me, it was very clear. I chose number one, the position was meaty enough. And number two, the boss. There was this lovely British uh, gentleman that we just got along, he and I, when when we met. Um, So the position and the working culture based on my interaction with the boss and the other people that I'd interviewed with and uh, location helped for sure, because there were certain, you know, after having moved so much, I wanted to be in a position, uh, in, a, in a location where my husband could follow me easily again, without, you know, too much of disruption. So mm. that's what brought us to Belgium.
1: I love that. So at what point did you start your own business then? Much later, I,
0: between starting, I got laid off um, twice. So this Dutch telecom company, it lasted, When I mean, with my role lasted only a couple of years because they had a change of management. And, you know, we all know what happens with change of management and new priorities. And they asked me to move to The Hague in the Netherlands. And I said, no, I was like, that's ridiculous. We're like, we've done five moves in six years. Mm-hmm. So that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then I, I wanted to work again, Jules. I was not able to find work. So 2011 was a little difficult. And we decided, okay, you know, um, it's not happening so what do I do we were also you know uh, trying for our second kid and then when I got pregnant I was like okay am I going to be that person that starts in a new company with a slowly expanding tummy and in six months I'm out I just didn't want to do that I did it didn't feel like it was for me Um, so took a break Jules quite a sizable break of two and a half years which may or may not seem like a lot to someone listening to us, but when you've just been through a very expensive MBA, two and a half years feels like, wow, what am I doing with my life? Mm -hmm. Like I love as much as I love my baby, but diapers, uh, laundry, feeding, baby food, all of that stuff. That was my life during that period. And then uh, I was ready to get back to work. And I, you know, your confidence is in the gutter, like you said, when you've been away for so long. Uh, But luckily, thanks to LinkedIn, it's thanks to LinkedIn a few times, actually, because in Chile, when I was working uh, at PwC, it was because of uh, 2006. It was thanks to LinkedIn, because there was a, a serendipitous moment um, where I met someone thanks to LinkedIn. So uh, I got headhunted by a company, and uh, which was in the mining and chemical business. So I worked there for about, yeah, a couple of years. It didn't last long again, because there was massive restructuring. And my position was made redundant. So I had made a few people redundant, like I had uh, terminated their contracts, because in nature, I have to do that. Yeah. Um. But I did not expect it to happen with me. So that was a rather unpleasant business um, that I went through. Uh, and then took some more time to find the next one. And then again, got hit hunted again by a food ingredients company. And that was for two years, Jules. And that was as much as I learned, and it was interesting. It was also a period where I was very unhappy. And I didn't find that my role had any impact Hmm. so it took a lot of courage for me to say actually I don't want to do this anymore Um, without a job in hand I had no job in hand and I decided I don't want to do this anymore so when I quit this was 2018 and I had no prospects nothing I reached out to a bunch of people and they all were very interested they said oh you're so you know wow you're so exotic and you speak all these languages because I'd learned speak french fluently when i came um to europe so i had french i had spanish and i had worked in all these interesting countries and i said okay that's thank you you know so where are the jobs like where are the jobs like show me the money there was absolutely nothing so i i called 2018 my year of being lost um very lost and i decided okay there are no jobs coming my way so i either wait around for something to happen or I just create something. So that's how little by little the journey started. It took a long time though. I'm not one of those people that dove in. I thought I was, like my confidence, I will just dive in. Apparently with me, it's been um, (laughs) very uh, twisty and and squiggly. Um, What I decided to do was this is July. Again, we're coming back to July. So this is July, 2018. I said, okay, what do I know how to do? I have learned a lot in HR. I've learned a lot of insider secrets that people need to know because they need help. And I used to get these questions a lot. And I'd, you know, pro bono volunteer a bunch of times with people. And I thought, what if I could package all of it and put it on a YouTube channel? And, you know, in small videos, share what I know, and which are solving a certain question that people have. There's a specific problem. I'm going to solve that through a video format. And let's see what happens. So that's what I did. In 2018, I released a couple of videos and nothing happened. No one was really watching. It is except a bunch of friends and family who kind of felt sorry for me, but it didn't go anywhere. It was a complete dud. So I continued to do it up until 2019 uh, you know, for a few more months. And I got very discouraged. So I said, okay, leave it. I'm going to go to LinkedIn because maybe that's where my peeps hang out. So I went to LinkedIn and I took the same content and I created it like native you, you know, LinkedIn content so that they didn't always have to go to YouTube to see my videos, but I would also create videos specially for LinkedIn. And that is what made the difference. So that is when people would reach out saying, hey, I read this article of yours or I watched this video of yours, can we talk? Yes. And what happened is, you know, when you've been through a period of like, turbulence and self-doubt um you can't really understand why somebody would want to work with you like I I, like you want you want to talk to me yeah I want to talk to you so one by one they started coming and then I realized okay apparently I'm a I'm a career
1: strategist (laughs) you are you are though
0: that's the short
1: version honestly if you look at everything you've talked about in this podcast You're absolutely a career strategist. Just because of that journey and all those things you've done and the experiences you've had, you know, it's incredible. And and you would be someone I would definitely want to talk to if I thought career because of that story of what you've experienced. I think it's so interesting. We sit, I've done this myself, and I've said, everybody knows what I know about sales, you know? And, and, And you can't believe that people would not know something you know so why would you even be able to help them you know they
0: call that the apparently it's called the curse of knowledge
1: (laughs) but we have to embrace it like you said don't we so so i love this and also of course linkedin brought linkedin live on on stream didn't they um, which was a new feature which I'm still waiting to get
0: <laughs> yeah yeah there's a very interesting yes I know I, I feel for you if, if anybody deserves LinkedIn live it's you Um, it is a very funny story behind it because I um, applied to LinkedIn live when I saw others having linkedin i'm like oh that would be so awesome to do right so i applied because you know the listener if the, the viewer if they don't know you have to apply unlike twitter youtube facebook you can go live on most platforms but for linkedin it's a bit of a process so i applied in november 2019 and um didn't hear back like except the usual standard reply then i applied in december 2019 same reply i applied in january 2019 and that is when something very interesting happened. I don't know if there's a correlation, but I like to think that there is. Um, I released a video on my LinkedIn and, and my YouTube. Remember, it's 2020. So I still like had like three views on my YouTube. Nobody was watching. I released this two minute video saying, so this was 1st of Jan, 2020. And you know, I call that the period of hope because COVID was not a thing. We all have these huge plans for our life and for our career, etc. So I released this video talking about New Year's New Year resolutions, and I said, "What a sham they are! They don't really work." What if instead, um, you focus on um one micro goal, and you do that the whole year, and three sixty five. Days, you just focus on that micro goal and that's it. So I said, okay, I'll give you my example because I wanted to get the juices flowing. And that video did really well on LinkedIn, but not on YouTube. And why am I talking about YouTube again and again? I'll come back to that later because I know, you know, um, something s- hilarious happened. I did. I did. Something hilarious happened with YouTube later. And I said, my micro goal, for example, is what if I could help one person a day? whatever that looks like. If I'm driving and they want to cut through and go in front of me or you know, in a supermarket line, that's fine. Help one person a day. You don't know what they're going through. And I just left it. And I kid you not, it was less than two weeks later. Um, again, I applied, I think I applied like three or four times to LinkedIn and I get, I get an email saying, hey, you're accepted. And I said, fantastic, fantastic. Um, I feel like maybe that was somewhere, some universe listening, uh, because I've been live ever since. So 17th of January 2020, Friday was my first uh edition of hashtag supercharged Fridays. I was live, I was alone in a room, I was awkward as heck. <laughs> Went for it anyway. And those days, you know, you didn't you couldn't see comments. You had to only, you know, you could only see comments on your phone. So it was even more awkward. And that has Now, today is Friday, we're recording this and
1: it's 80 weeks, 80 weeks of going live and I love it Uh, and you're very very good at it as well because i've been on your show and it is it was so natural and it flowed so beautifully at the same time you're putting all these whizzy things up on the screen and 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 you're answering people and noticing comments i'm thinking my goodness me this woman can multitask it was so so (laughs) impressive it really was so we will make sure the link is in this this um podcast so that people can actually connect with you and come and listen to you on fridays because you are super interesting to listen to it's so much fun um so that's linkedin live now tell us about this video that was on youtube with just three views (laughs) what happened yes Tell tell us what happened
0: it was very slow right and what happened was every time i was live on linkedin you have the option to go live on two platforms. So I would be like, okay, I'll be live on YouTube. So um, I was going live on YouTube at the same time. But like I said, nobody was really watching. The only way I was feeding YouTube was as an afterthought. Like, oh, I've released a video on LinkedIn. It's done really well. Oh yeah, let me release it to my dormant YouTube <laughs> you know, YouTube subscriber population, which was like barely nothing at the time. Um, and so that was the only way I kept it semi-active. Um, now, I don't know why. I will never know why. I, I, I'll i never understand it. In February uh, 2021, which is two and a half years after starting the YouTube channel, which was, you know, sort of semi-dead, one video of mine, which was related to salary negotiation, I suddenly started getting comments like, with dozens of comments that this is a great video and it's helped them to get a job and they you know they never thought they could negotiate but they negotiated their salary and they went up you know huge percentage increases I said that's nice and I'm like what 13,000 views oh that's interesting like when did that happen and I left it because I was like who cares right because YouTube is very strict if you want to monetize your channel you need a certain number of subscribers and views and I was still very far away from that Um, And the entire month of February, the graph of my YouTube analytics is so funny. It went up like this crazy, um, what is the best word to describe it? It was like such a steep curve. Um, So YouTube started pushing it. It's called suggested videos. Uh, That's how it it knows, hey, something is going on with this channel. Let me push it. So YouTube started becoming my friend and I always thought YouTube hated me. So (laughs) The moral of the story is I had John Esperian on my podcast in March, 2021. So this was one month after it had gone crazy viral. It was still very fresh. So he was talking to me on my podcast and he talked about his mentor. He said, when you start something, whether it's a blog or a channel or um, any video related thing, you need to keep showing up consistently for 30 months and it will be noticed it will be noticed provided you're good and you're solving a real problem Mm. and when we were talking it was March 2021 and I had started the channel in September 2018 you don't have to be a math wizard when I was listening to him like I had like complete like goosebumps. goosebumps on my arms because it was September 2018 march 2021 it was exactly 30 months amazing i was like there's something something to the theory there so there's something so i i came to the conclusion you just gotta
1: show up till you blow up yeah yeah but you have and this whole regular you know relevant and um you know so that it's consistent i think those three things is why people then suddenly get used to you, you become familiar, they know what you stand for, they know what your message is, and all that stuff is amazing. And that's when real things happen, isn't it? Yeah, Um, and and just to complete that story, so that video,
0: just that video alone, helped me to monetize the channel, um it's now sitting at 720,000 views (laughs) I'm like what and I have like 56,000 subscribers and counting like every
1: day and it's all thanks to a freaky thing so you you just don't know no you don't and I love that story it's just such a great example isn't it so look we we need to probably round this up somehow and there's so much here that I could talk to you about forever um I want to cover two more things with you just quickly. I want to very, very quickly put Fab Four in here again because it's relevant to what you've just said that we have shown up every Monday consistently with that regular type of environment in our room. You know, and isn't it wonderful what we've managed to achieve? Because Clubhouse went mad and then a lot of people dropped off and it sort of went a bit different, didn't it? And yet, Every Monday, you know, the Fab Forum Friends Room is still going every Monday. Yeah, I and think uh, that's same thing, isn't it? Yeah, um,
0: yeah. So very quickly, I think, like you said, every Monday, eight p.m. UK time, nine p.m. Belgium, so three p.m. EST. Um, now, clubhouse is open to everyone. But uh, I think our intention matters, and people who've dropped off, the number one reason they said was. And then the two things they said was it was a time suck. And number two, they didn't see any ROI. Mm. For me, it's the opposite. It's giving me not the time suck. It's giving me energy every time I'm on there, no matter what kind of Monday it's been, it's the start of the week. I know if it's that room, it's going to be only good from there. Um, and that's the, I think it's the choice of people. So we're lucky. We, we we're nice, positive people. And by the way, when you said, when we met, clubhouse we met thanks to Stephen Quinn yes because he's the only one we have all four of us have in common yes um so the intention matters which is to communicate and interact and not ah this person is listening to me I wonder if they need a career coach no not at all it's never been the intention we never talk about our services um and hey if someone wants to reach out here's a calendly link no we don't do that we don't shove anything down anyone's throat ever some people say that's stupid because it should be monetized okay they're very welcome to do that i don't know how long any of those people have lasted on clubhouse right and it's the one of the things that has kept us together which is january to july it's not a joke i don't even know how many good lord it must be like 35 weeks already yeah that's a commitment is to have a conversation. We have a topic, which is kind of helpful. So we don't sort of do drunk driving uh, (laughs) here and there. We, we, We stay on course, but when we are on course, we have so much fun. We laugh, we sing, we've had tears. So it's what, you and I are doing human conversation
1: yeah absolutely that's so beautifully summed up it's so true all of that we've laughed we've sung we've had tears we laugh most weeks but yes. we've story told haven't we every week there's some it's amazing true stories. yeah it's all through stories nobody's amazing. lecturing
0: anyone no. we're talking about our experiences
1: yeah I, I love it and I love being part of the fab four um mm-hmm. So now, why do people come to you if somebody's listening? Why are they going to want to connect with you for you know a reason to, for you to help them? So if you know, anyone who's interested, you're more than welcome to reach out to me
0: on LinkedIn with a very personalized message about what you took away from this conversation with Jules and not please don't be tempted to, because I'm a career strategist. I have to talk about this a lot with my clients. Do not be tempted to click on connect. If you do that on mobile, take the time to personalize it. Mm. Um, and it would be great to connect with anyone who's a fan of jewels, because I already know automatically that you're my kind of people. Um, if, I mean, what I do is essentially help people, anyone from anywhere. I have my niche and I have my target client, you know, my buyer persona. I have all of that. I don't want to bore you with that. But essentially, what ends up happening, the outcome is, is helping people every day with a, to get that competitive edge that they need, whether it's to land that job they've been dreaming about, whether it's to land that promotion they've been dreaming about, or simply to lead a richer,
1: happier, and more purposeful life. If that is what you're after, we've got to connect. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Uh, you know there's so much isn't there to say about loving what you do isn't there you know that's one of my big things i always say love what you do because yeah. gosh if you don't do that it's such a slog isn't it so yeah yeah oh i've absolutely loved chatting to you my fabulous friend um it's been so good all of the links so that you uh, can connect with sonar will be On the notes of this podcast and you really really well you must and i'm telling you that you must connect with her she is wonderful Um, and very very good at what she does as well and one last thought for you to leave our listeners what would you say to them i would say you
0: know what you want to do when you look for guidance you know what you want to do do not seek and that in, you know, external permission, just trust the process, but more importantly, trust yourself. And I know this sounds a bit woo and it's not, um, not like me to say this, but lately I've been, um, believing it more and more. And I wish I knew this a little sooner with all my, with all my, with all my heart. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. you're complete. You, you know
1: exactly what you need to do. You just got to go out there and do it. Yeah, that's great advice. It really is great advice. Thank you so much. I've adored this human conversation. Um, and listeners, I hope you've enjoyed listening to us chat together. Um, I think there's a lot of inspiration in this podcast episode. I think if you listen to the things that Sonar has achieved in her career, and also the messages she's told us about her thoughts what she's learned then this is a very very fruitful podcast indeed so please subscribe on the platform that you've listened to we are on Stitcher we're on SoundCloud we're also on Spotify Apple Podcasts and you can see our beautiful faces on YouTube because it will be published on there too but for now everybody until next time thank you for listening Ta-ta for now.
0: You've just been listening to the Human Conversation podcast with Jules White. To find out more about the other work that Jules does, please visit her website, www.liveitloveitssellit.co.uk. And if you enjoyed the podcast, then please do leave a rating and review on the platform you use to enjoy her show. Thanks for listening and see you next time.